This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. favorite things to do is, whether it's on the radio or in life, play There Ought to Be a Law, meaning uh, take some aspect of public policy that's not currently the case and explore whether or not it should. This is an issue that we have gotten into before, and... I think my position on this may surprise you a bit. Italian dog owners must submit their pet's DNA to the government in a pooper-scooper crackdown. Apparently, there is a big concern in Italy, as there is in a lot of other places, that dogs are defecating And their owners are not picking up after them. So the way this is going to work, as I understand it, is dog owners who are flagged by the genetic database could face fines of up to $540 for failing to pick up after their pets. So after the streets of an Italian province became overrun with dog poop, local dog owners are now going to be required to submit their pet's DNA to a government database so that police can identify and reprimand the culprits. Officials in the province that covers Bolzano, which is north of Milan, at the foot of the Dolomite Mountains, plan to use the dog DNA database so that any abandoned poop collected by health officials and street cleaners can be genetically tested. The hope is that the tests will allow them to find and fine the dog's owners or act as a deterrent to future lawbreakers. Now, the reason I think my position on this might surprise you is because I'm always the guy that is against DNA samples. I'm a guy that doesn't like to give away my DNA. I'm a guy that doesn't want the uh, government uh, collecting you know, DNA samples of certain people. I'm concerned about the FBI DNA database. I'm concerned about it for all sorts of privacy and civil liberties reasons. That being said, I think, as much as I love dogs, there's a big difference between privacy and civil liberties for humans versus privacy and civil liberties for dogs. So I have to tell you, I am all for this thing that they're doing in Italy, but I would love to extend it 
to more communities in our country. I know there are some places in the United States that already do something like this. Mostly it's private developments and things of that nature. They say, if you want to have a dog, got to give us a DNA sample and we will monitor the area for errant dog poop. Because, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around all over the place and there is a problem with poop. There is a doggone problem with dog poop. And... I don't know why this happens. Look, could it happen once in a while where your dog is feeling particularly, I don't know, in the mood to defecate and you don't bring enough baggies? Sure. But I don't think that's the case with most of the poop that I'm encountering. I think what's happening here is these dog owners are too lazy to clean up after their dogs. And I think this is absolutely reprehensible. And something has got to be done to rein these people in because all of society, individual people and public servants, are picking up after them. And why should we be left holding the bag, so to speak? So I would not only be supportive of this proposal, but I would enthusiastically embrace this in municipalities, it may be even in states, where this is a problem in this country. What do you think? Would you go for this in your community? I think it's a great idea. 800-848-9222. Tony, I know Matt's a dog guy. Are you a dog guy at all? Not, not really. I mean, I, I've, I've had a dog um, back, like when I was like, a kid, but nowadays, no, because I'm not trying to get up and walk the dog. Well, no, it's a lot of work, and that's why you're the perfect person to ask. Do you think this would be a good idea? Well, first of all, do you notice that problem where you live? Yes. With uh, with errant dog poop. Yes. You do. Yes. So, and it makes me mad. Same here. I mean, once in a while, you'll step in it, get it in your shoe. It's impossible to get out. Exactly. It's impossible to get that, out. That happened to me Chris, this past Christmas Eve. Really? Yeah. Gee, it's even worse during the summer. So what, what do you think of this proposal to allow people to, uh, to, to mandate, really, that people submit us a copy of their dog's DNA and they get fined? And maybe there's escalating fines the more time this happens. Let's make it happen. You're in. Okay. Well, we're, we're we're two for two on this. Matt, I know you're a dog guy. Where where are you on this? Would you be willing to submit a sample of your dog's DNA? I guess I would. I mean, I don't have that problem because where I live, I mean, my dogs would just go in the backyard. I never walked them in it. And if well, no, I no. did. Right, but I I'm not it saying it's your dog. Right, right. And I'm not saying you are the problem. I'm assuming. But other people, you're saying, like, if they right. don't clean it up, I. It sounds good in theory, like it sounds good on paper, but I mean, you're going to have every time somebody sees anything, they're going to be like, oh, we got to pick that up and study it. Now we got to pay for it. Well, and it's going to be geese. I, it could be a raccoon. It could be a rat. Come on, it could be anything. What, what, there's a huge difference between the bowel movement of a goose or a raccoon well, not, or a rat well, not in a Pomeranian. A dog. You ever see a Pomeranian? Oh, okay. Well, or, pom- those, Pomeranian, or, a, or a, a chihuahua. Okay, okay. you're being ridiculous. Pomeranian poop is not the problem. Okay, the the streets are not you know covered in Pomeranian poop. So it's covered in what uh, Dalmatian poop? Dogs. Yeah, larger dogs. 
So, no, but the idea is not that, you know, they'd be dashing this poop off to the lab at every instance. The idea is that because people know that their dog's DNA is on file, that they would finally clean up after themselves. It would be kind of the the incentive that some of these selfish people need to clean up after themselves. Yeah, well, then I guess you could do it. All right, so we're three for three. All right, explain. I'm sure someone out there can explain why this is a bad idea. 800-848-9222. We're going to talk UFOs with Bill Burns in about 10 minutes. What a bright guy he is. He can talk about anything. AI, UAPs, you name it. We're going to get into it. Now, um, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but if you know one joke about Kentucky, what is it? Okay, yeah, right? I mean, you, you, we're all thinking of the same joke. And I'm glad we're not carried on any stations in Kentucky, but we probably have some listeners out there in Kentucky. The, I, I used to date a girl in Kentucky. She was lovely. Everybody that I've ever met from Kentucky is great. This is not meant to disparage the people of Kentucky. This is just a joke that people say. Tony, do you know the joke? The joke about Kentucky? No, okay. um, enlighten me. So, I didn't come up with this, but this is what people say. If a man and woman get divorced... In Kentucky, are they still brother and sister? So, now, the reason it's supposed to be funny is because it's a joke that there's a lot of incest in Kentucky. Well, I, I, didn't, I don't know that there is or there isn't. However, they are not doing themselves any favors in Kentucky because of the uh, reputation that exists because of jokes like that with what I'm about to tell you. Representative... Nick Wilson introduced a bill that he is scrambling to correct. If the bill were passed into law, it would make sex between first cousins legal in Kentucky. Now, apparently he made a mistake in the drafting of this. He said, I was thinking like a lawyer, not like a legislator. But as of now, that is what the law... <laughs> That is what the proposal says. So this Kentucky Republican introduced a bill on Tuesday that was intended to broaden the definition of forbidden sexual activity between relatives, but it could have a much wider effect on the state's incest laws. And now this state representative uh, says that he's trying to correct a gaffe that if this bill is passed would make sex between first cousins legal in Kentucky legal. Now, my, I have a question for you. Now, this doesn't apply to me because all three of my first cousins are happily married. Well, at least two of them are happily married. All three of them are married. But I I wonder, should you be permitted to have sex with or marry your first cousin? Now, no. brother and sister, I think, is out of line, right? Uh, father and and son or, you know, parent and child, way out of line. But is first cousin enough of a, I don't know, enough of a gap that you should be able to have sex with your first cousin if you want to? You say no, Tony. Okay, well, I, um, 
don't tell that to uh, Sofia Coppola and Andy Garcia in The Godfather Part Three. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I remember that. That that was that was that was. <laughs> it, well, yeah. yeah, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. It's the weakest of those three films. But I, um, you know, my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, were cousins. They were not first cousins. I don't remember if they were second cousins or if they were first cousins once removed. But in Italy. That was kind of what you did back then. You, you know, you didn't really go too far to find a a wife. You married whoever was in your town, and you married you know you married people that were, were convenient. But sure enough, House Bill two six nine, how apropos in Kentucky, which uh, Representative Wilson sponsored, would criminalize any sort of sexual contact between family members, going a step further than current law, which criminalizes. Intercourse, but not other sexual behaviors. But according to the Kentucky General Assembly website, the bill contains language that would also, quote, remove first cousin from the list of familial relationships. So in the body of the bill, the words first cousin are struck through. So if the bill, if the law passes as is, Kentucky would, in effect, decriminalize Sexual activity between cousins. Wilson's bill would also classify incest as a Class C felony if the victim is under the age of 12. Well, I don't think anybody's going to take issue with that, right? I mean, I don't know what the difference is in terms of sentencing with a Class B felony versus a Class C felony. But, I mean, look, when you're messing around, when you're committing incest with someone under the age of 12, that's, that's bad. Bad. But is having sex with your first cousin that bad? Is that that close of a familial relationship? I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like I could go either way on that one, and it's not because I have you know three attractive first cousins. Uh, Tony, make your case. Explain to me why a first cousin is is should be verboten. Because my first cousin is either their, their parent is either is either my mother or father's brother or sister. Right. And if you're my cousin, I consider you a brother or sister. I agree, and I I have a very close relationship. Not in a romantic way with my cousins as well, but and you know we all kind of grew up together. They're all a little older than me, but um, that's how we grew up. Some people don't grow up that way. Some people grow up; they don't see their first cousins for in some cases decades. Right? My um, my wife is one of nine. Right? It's not inconceivable that one of them could move away somewhere, and my son has almost no relationship. With one of his first cousins. Now, hopefully not. We all make a pretty good effort to stay in touch. But, you know, if he, when he's 20, comes across this first cousin of his that he hasn't seen in a decade, would it be that crazy for him to pursue her romantically? <laughs> Tony says yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's yes. nuts. It's inbreeding. You have man. the same grandfather. So, yeah. It's yeah. It's okay. inbreeding. Right. And, and, can, come on, and the DNA okay. will be all, right. all screwed up. All right, all right. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. All right. right. I mean, look, uh, people. There's a long history of people marrying um, their their cousins, right? I um, I I mentioned you know my grandparents, but you know uh, Rudy Giuliani's first wife was his um, was his second cousin. As well. Now, again, there is a difference between second cousin and first cousin, but that's how they got that marriage annulled because, you know, they said that um, they thought they were third cousins instead of second cousins. People do make that mistake a lot. They confuse first cousin once removed with second cousins and at uh, at different points. But 
You know, look, there's a long history of people marrying their cousins. Should you be able to? So these guys saying no, uh, they're probably right. I'd be curious to know what the statistics say about things like birth defects and um, recessive genes that you don't want reproduced with first cousins reproducing. Obviously, siblings, even half-siblings, that's totally gross. Is there enough distance with a first cousin? I don't know. 800-848-9222. Tell me what you think about both Kentucky and Italy. Italy for the dog poop law, not for everybody marrying their cousins. 800-848-9222. Marianne, what do you think of this dog poop idea? I think it's a great idea. I agree with you, Frank. Um, I have incidents of dogs around our townhouse, which is against the law. We have like a coven in here, and people break it all the time. And they do it. They do it like it right in front of your house and stuff, and in behind your house. The dogs do it. <laughs> uh, why? Why do they not clean up after themselves? Because they consider, like in the bat, in the yards and stuff, in the wooded areas, they consider that's public, public land, and they. Yeah, that, yeah it's, that is that is it. it's so selfish. So you'd be you'd be up for this in your community as well. Yes, All and right. also I have a Kentucky joke. Oh, uh, let's hear it. How many limbs is on a Kentucky tree? I give up. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we're not out of Kentucky. 800 <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I got a note, Marianne, for potential listener of the week consideration. That is hey, very Frank, good. Yes. Um, bring Elias in because um, he disagrees with Matt oh, and good. I said yeah, about good. cousins. Uh, have Elias uh, come in here. Elias obviously has some uh, very attractive first cousins that he'd like to get to know a bit better at the next family reunion. Um, oh, hello, Elias. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, I'm doing well. Uh, but, you know, I, I had a friend who was really close with his sister, and he would make this argument all the time. And we always... Uh, my other About friends, the sister or about cousins? About cousins okay. as well. Okay. But, um, you know, uh, my, my thing is, what's wrong with it? If you're not having a child, then what's wrong with it? Well, I guess because sex does produce children. Right. You know, so if there is a likelihood of birth defects, then that's the problem. I mean, that's, I think, the whole rationale behind these incest uh, laws. I don't know if a first cousin, I don't know if that does produce a lot of birth. I mean, probably does. We'll find out from somebody that knows. But you're open to this, it sounds like. Well, it's, uh, my, I'm coming from the, the idea of if you're not having children with your first cousin and, and there's no risk of hurting a child, I don't see anything wrong with right, it. Right, but you're inserting something that nobody has said, right? Nobody is talking about not having sex that is for procreation. Sure. You know, um, by the way, it, it will surprise no one. If anybody has concerns about reality show people going into politics, the guy that wrote this bill, which who he by his own admission he has screwed up, and if it passes, will legalize sex between first cousins in the state of Kentucky, which is the last thing, as Marianne's joke indicates, that Kentucky needs right now from a branding perspective. This guy was a contestant on Survivor. He wasn't just a contestant on Survivor. He won Survivor. 
David and Goliath in 2018, and then he returned for Survivor Winners at War in 2020. Lesson being, just because someone wins Survivor, maybe they shouldn't win an election. Yeah, go figure. Indeed. Uh, I'll make my, my final point is just, at, at the very least, the wedding party is so much cheaper. <laughs> oh, If Mayor Giuliani's listening, I'm sure he'll appreciate that joke. 800-848-9222. Uh, Igor is in New Jersey. Igor, you have a thought on the dog poop law. I do, but uh, hearing us first, if you give me just a second here. First thing, you know, Frank, what do you think it's going to do to tourism uh, in Kentucky? Do you think it's going to make it go up or down if they pass this? And But I'd really like you guys to I think you'll see a lot of family clip. reunions scheduled there. Absolutely. The best clip of all is from the Wolf of Wall Street when Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill are talking about this issue. Right. Sitting in the, sitting in the diner. You've got to play that clip. Yeah, we have to, to clean it up uh, and clean out some of the profanity I, and maybe I, even I some use of the uh, politically incorrect language. Give me your thoughts on the dog poop uh, proposal. Yeah, on then. the dog poop thing, I think it's Barry Sheck's dream that somebody try to, to, to pin uh, uh, some poop on a particular dog based on DNA. He's going to say... How is it collected? Other dogs went over that DNA. Your dog just sniffed it and left his DNA behind. It wouldn't stand up in court, you know. Yeah, very interesting, you Igor. Thank you, Eddie in Babylon. Eddie, give me uh, give me your thoughts on uh, this Kentucky proposal. Well, uh, we don't. I, I don't want to call it and ask cousin Brucey tomorrow because I love him and <laughs> I don't know what he'd say. But uh, Frank, hey, you you could ask him. He wouldn't take offense. Um, and he'd have a good sense of humor. Well, medically, Frank, and I'm trying to remember my medical uh, education was uh, among different groups. One of them Jewish. I think Tay-Sachs disease possibly was one of the, uh, you know, medical maladies with it. When you get too close with your DNA, it's not just, you know, conversation at the dinner table, uh, you know, who's screwing who uh, while someone's carving the turkey, <laughs> so to speak. But that there is uh, medically, and I can't put my finger on it, when you're too close with the DNA, bad things happen. No, I know. I'm, uh, you know, and I guess that's the whole rationale behind these Uh anti-incest laws. I wonder if first cousin is too close, Uh, you know. uh, It is. is. Okay. All right. Well, so. Remember, it had to be second and beyond. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, uh, thankfully I have some very attractive second cousins as well. 800-848-9222. Michael in Manhattan, give me your thoughts on the dog poop law. Okay, uh, thoughts on the dog poop law, and then I have something sure. serious about the uh, this legislation. Sure. go for it. About the relatives. Okay, here's the deal. In reference to the dog poop law, um, if someone was unjustly uh, accused of this offense. And it turned out in the end that um, he was not guilty. Could he sue for defecation of character? (laughs) I would think probably only a Shih Tzu could sue. Ah, I'm not even going to analyze that. But... My point about marrying cousins is, a, is, in this case, is a serious one. I actually know somebody whose parents were cousins, uh, got married, and this poor guy had all sorts of defects, seriously, defects in his stomach. His whole esophagus 
was turned upside down. His whole stomach uh, gastro system was turned upside down. You don't want to know what. what so and it, it was because it was because they um, that his parents were cousins that that was the case. Yeah. But wow. Then I have, but then I have a question for you. Um, in reference to first cousins, so does that mean that I couldn't marry my eldest cousin, but the next one I could uh, marry? Very, very funny, very funny, Mr. Uh, Mr. Michael. Thank you. If you're ever performing, uh, be sure to let me know so that I can make sure that I'm out of town. All right, 800-848-9222. Bill Burns joins us next. We're going to talk about this uh, congressional briefing on UAPs and more straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you want to uh, participate in uh, any portion of our show, uh, but don't feel like calling in or you're somebody that listens to the podcast, join our Facebook group. Uh, he, uh, you know, we are uh, very active on Facebook. Uh, just search uh, Morano Radio Fans and Haters, and uh, you can participate and criticize anything we're doing. I always treasure. The opportunity to talk with Bill Burns. I have often fantasized about trying to break the record for longest interview, radio interview of all time. And there's no doubt in my mind that I would love the person I'm interviewing to be Bill Burns. Because this man has done so much. He's one of the most prolific writers in the world. He's a PhD. He's a lawyer. He's been featured on television, featured on radio. He's written about every topic you can imagine. And he's just a brilliant storyteller. He is a New York Times bestselling author many times over. His books include The Day After Roswell, and he's also been the uh, publisher of UFO Magazine and the editor of the UFO Encyclopedia. Bill, it is great to talk with you again. Thanks for coming on the radio with me. 
Oh, it's always my pleasure, Frank, to talk to you. Um, hope you're all huddled in for the snow this weekend. We are We are ready and raring. I, I've got my son's sled uh, ready to go. Hey, Bill, let me begin by asking you about this congressional briefing on the subject of UAPs. A, a select House committee was briefed by the inspector general from the intelligence community, and both Republicans and Democrats came out of this meeting basically saying that what they heard was interesting, but there's a lot more to learn. Here's Congresswoman Anna Polina, a Republican from Florida. So this is what I'll say. I'm going to reiterate, we can't talk about specifics and what we got into, but what I can tell you is what Gresh shared with me in an unclassified setting that I firmly believe in. Um, I believe that he's telling the truth. I think that he is a credible witness. And what I can also say is one thing in particular that really caused me to be concerned about this whole thing is that Gresh had stated to myself, Representative Burchett and another member on the phone, that there were people that were hurt hiding this information and keeping this information safe and or trying to come forward with this information. What I can tell you is I believe that claim after now leaving. Now, um, and there are a number of other con- members of Congress that have said the same thing. It was interesting. They came out when David Grush initially came out with some pretty blockbuster ter- testimony, both before Congress and in media reports, saying that the U.S. government was in position of biologics and of uh, vehicles of non-human origin. A lot of people seem to dismiss him. It doesn't seem like he's being dismissed very much now. What do you make of uh, what we're hearing, Bill? First of all, a lot of the information that David Grush is saying comes out of the 1960s. So this is 60-year-old information. The real story is that when President Kennedy took office in 1961, he had a person who was in Army R&D, Army Research and Development, he was a general by the name of Arthur Trudeau. Arthur Trudeau was the general, get this, Frank, who discovered when he was in intelligence, um, um, when he was the uh, commander of Army Intelligence G2, he discovered all the way back in 1955 that the United States military had a written plan. Folks could find it on the internet. It's called Operation, uh, let's see, Operation Project Horizon. It's the name of it, Project Horizon. 1955 official Pentagon plans to create an entirely new division of the military composed of artillery, intelligence, communications, and set up a fortified base on the lunar surface, fortified, to rain down missiles on the Soviet Union during the height of the Cold War. That was in the 1950s, and folks could find that. So all this material now is just based on what happened when this Army general came to Army R&D in um, 1961, and he basically went directly to Senator Strom Thurmond. And what he said to Strom Thurmond was, Senator, in the basement of the Pentagon is a whole file box, a whole file cabinet 
of material retrieved by the army <clears throat> from the crash at Roswell in 1947. Not weather balloon material, not fake material, but the crash debris along with a live alien. And Strom Thurmond said to Arthur Trudeau, assign an officer to take all that technology that's not from this planet, not invented here, take it, I will give you a whopping multi-million dollar budget. Take this material to defense contractors, IBM, Monsanto, AT&T, Bell Labs, take this material there and give them a budget to develop this technology into American technology, even though it's not invented here. That became the greatest technological expansion in the 1960s. We went from room-sized computers, right, the Brainiac, all the way by the end of that decade to laptops. And by the end of the 80s, to smartphones. All that came from that reverse engineering of alien technology all the way back to the 1960s. So when I'm hearing this stuff from all these people testifying now, it's all stuff that's been in books since the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new. You know, it was interesting. Um, I just played the clip from Congresswoman Luna. And after the uh, House briefing last week, Congresswoman Luna noted that Grush uh, previously referred to such entities as interdimensional. And so um, Luna was asked by Fox News what interdimensional means when it comes to UAPs. And uh, apparently Grush refused to use certain terms. He didn't use the term extraterrestrial or alien. Do you believe that that's accurate? Do you believe, based on your research and your reporting, that uh, the beings that Grush is talking about, that the United States is aware of, have been interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial? Although I believe that there are some entities, some life form entities, that can translate themselves between dimensions, I don't believe that the ETs that he's talking about are interdimensional. Uh, my, my theory is, and this is a theory that was actually given to me by members of USS intelligence, by U.S. intelligence services while we were doing UFO hunters. They said flat out. In fact, you know who told me this first? Isaac Asimov, the science fiction writer, Isaac Asimov. He said, and they said, that these extraterrestrials are really us. That's why we can't tell where they are. Uh, we are the extraterrestrials, mm-hmm. or, or we are first cousins of the extraterrestrials. They look like us. They act like us. They're involved in government. They're involved in business. And they're the ones that are keeping full disclosure from reaching the American people. And the reason they're keeping that, there's one foundational reason, Frank, for the reason this is being kept from uh, the American people or from people on Earth. And it's this. This is told to me by a naval commander. He's now dead. A naval commander who was at Pearl Harbor in in December 1941. I can tell you what he said on another show. But here's what he said. He said he was 
the UFO guy of the Navy, just like Philip Corso was the UFO guy of the Army. This guy was the UFO guy of the Navy. And he said the reason that this is not being disclosed, he said this years ago, that the reason this is not being disclosed is that human beings, us, have the same psychological powers as the ETs. Wow. I mean, we're of the same species. And he said the reason it's not being disclosed is that we, human beings, do not have the ability to use those powers in a constructive way. He said we would destroy ourselves if we use the psychic powers, time travel, mind reading, things like that, psychokinesis that they have. One of the already, you know, here is um, a congressperson, Krishnamurthy, Democrat of Illinois, who basically said she didn't get a lot or uh, they didn't get a lot out of this briefing. Look, everybody is wondering about the substance of those claims. And until we actually look at those specifically and try to get answers about those, those claims are just going to be out there. And so that's what we need to kind of delve into. And unfortunately, I just wasted time in there not kind of figuring out whether those were true and instead kind of kind of dancing around the edges, talking about things that aren't really as important to me. Um, all that being said, I think that Mr. Grush um, has made some claims and uh, he's also, he needs to be treated with some respect. And other members of Congress said it seemed like uh, the uh, Congressman Glenn Gruffman, Republican of Wisconsin, said they send us bureaucrats who don't know on purpose. And that leads me to my next question. Do you think if this briefing was less than informative than what the members of Congress were hoping, do you think that the people doing the briefing are in the dark themselves or do you believe that this is widely known within the U.S. government and they're intentionally keeping it from Congress for the reasons that you stated? They are intentionally keeping it from Congress. That's the last thing. The important part of what you just said, Frank, is if you're asking a question, who's the they? We assume <clears throat> that there's some kind of secret human part of our government that's keeping this secret for their own reasons. What if the people not disclosing anything are not from this planet? What if, and this is what Isaac Asimov said to me, remember he wrote the, the um, science fiction trilogy, Foundation and Empire, sure. in which he posited there were a group of scientists called the Foundationers. And the Foundationers knew all the secrets and through a form of psychohistory, basically an algorithm, psychohistory, they were directing the course of the planet they were on. And in fact, directing the course of the whole solar system they were on. Imagine that's not fiction which is what Asimov told me. He said, it's science, not fiction. Imagine that deeply embedded in government, in business, in high enough situations where they're manipulating policy 
are ETs. They look like us, wow. they act like us, they speak like us. But that's who's governing this for the very reason that Lieutenant uh, Commander George Hoover said that human beings are not ready. So when you get a half-truth, when you get uh, um, a cover-up, when you get an explanation that makes no sense whatsoever, it's not from Joe Biden, it's not from Donald Trump, it's not from anybody. It's from them. It reminds me of the uh, Roddy Piper film, uh, They Live. I mean, that's a pretty Absolutely. frightening prospect, Absolutely. though, to think that there could actually yes. be aliens or, you know, um, somebody not from here to, in so embedded in the government and everywhere else. Is there any evidence of that, Bill? Or, I mean, oh, yeah. I, obviously you're a bright guy. Isaac Asimov is a bright guy. But rather than just, um, you know, imagining what if that's the case, what might lead folks to think that is the case? Follow the, well, here's a classic, class, you asked about the um, UAP um, legislation that was before Congress that's come out. Right. Look at the history, Frank, of this legislation. All the way back in 2022, all the way back, back a couple of years ago in 2022, uh, congressional, uh, uh, the Speaker of the Senate, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, promulgated the UAP Disclosure Act. In that act, in the, 19, in the uh, 2022 version, in that act, <clears throat> not only did the act con- confer upon the government the power of eminent domain over UFO materials. You know what that means? That if I'm in my backyard and I see some strange object that I say, wow, this is not from this planet, the government comes in and says, it's not yours, it's ours, and they take it. Wow. That's one, okay? That was in the original act. Two, the original act calls for complete disclosure, unless sources and methods get in the way, complete disclosure of all UFO material that the government has. Then there was um, a provision in the act that said that there was a collection of all information from every agency and bureau of the government that they had to turn it over to this group um, that was assessing the information. All those three things from that 2022 were then killed in the 2023 version, which weakened it, and the 2024 version, which only said the government should collect information on UFOs. So the act, as originally promulgated, was watered down once, then watered down again, until right now it's a meaningless act. The what happens that, next? Where where do we go from here in terms of uh, public knowledge, public disclosure, congressional action? What's the next step in all of this, Bill? Well, really, the next step that's going to continue to be bottom up. Now, I believe that the Navy videos of those craft that were over the uh, Pacific off the um, California coast um, from a few years ago. Somebody in the administration 
made the decision to release those videos. You think that uh, uh, those Navy pilots have the authority to release those gun camera videos? You think that um, the, uh, uh, the Navy command, the Pentagon, have the sole authority to, to fill those videos? No, of course not. Those videos were released during the Obama administration. I suspect under the influence of, of um, Joe Biden and Senator Harry Reid. So I believe that there is an impetus inside the government to release, to release this information as long as it's not compromising U.S. intelligence. Very interesting, Bill. Bill, we're going to have to end it there. You always give us a lot to think about whenever you're on the program. I hope we can do this again soon. I look forward to it, Frank. Have a wonderful weekend and stay still free. <laughs> Thanks very much. William Burns, Dr. William Burns, to be precise, New York Times bestselling author. You can go to Amazon and uh, check out his books, B-I-R-N-E-S, and a whole world opens up. He's written books on everything from Aliens to Frank Sinatra, and uh, it's just great stuff. And what a storyteller. The best. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. top of the hour next hour we will be joined by the one and only tony orlando we had a little bit of a mix-up in terms of well not a mix-up he got stuck in uh, doing something yesterday uh but he is uh going to be with us in about a half hour i'm looking forward to that conversation very much because he's in the midst of his farewell tour which uh is has been really quite a career how many other performers have a career that goes five decades? So I'm looking forward to chatting with him. I'm going to get to your calls in a moment at uh, 800-848-9222. I, um, <clears throat> you know, so m- my son has pink eye and we think strep throat also. And he's going to be home from school today as well. He was home the, the last one. I think today will be either the third day. I think the third day that he'll have missed school. Hopefully, um, I mean, it's preschool, so I don't think there's a lot of work that he has to make up. But my wife also has strep throat. So I'm like the last man standing in our house. And I am just 
I don't want to say I'm petrified, but I, I, I don't want to really deal with the inconvenience of getting a cold right now. And I can feel in the very back of my throat something developing. Now, I think part of it is just because I haven't gotten any sleep the last two or three days because normally I sleep during the day. But with Carmine not having school and my wife needing to work during the day, I've mostly just been taking care of him. And, you know, he's... He's sneezing on me. He's, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't respect boundaries. He's climbing all over me and stuff. So um, I'm hoping that if I do get sick, I can't imagine I'm going to get strapped, knock on wood. But uh, I imagine if I do get sick, I'm hoping that it happens tomorrow and Sunday and that I'm back in fighting form for Monday. If not, you know, we'll see. Hopefully I don't sound... Like I'm speaking like this, trying to host a radio show. Come Monday, with a, a clogged nose and so forth. So I'm I'm upping my dose of vitamin C. I'm uh, gargling. I got my lozenges, and hopefully I'll be able to squeeze in a couple hours sleep today. Although it's going to be tough because with uh, with Carmine not um, not being in school, it's you know he's he's got to wake up sometime. So who's going to be with him? I will. So um, so that's kind of where, where we're at in their household. So keep your fingers crossed. I'm taking uh, cold ease, which is basically just another homeopathic zinc, throwing everything at it, B12, B, uh, vitamin C, everything, every vitamin you can imagine, gargling, tea, you name it. But ultimately, if you're going to prevent a cold, the only thing that really is going to do it is sleep. So hopefully, at the very least, on Friday night, I'll be able to get in some sleep. All right. We got denunciations coming up after the top of the hour, and the great, the one and only Tony Orlando. And there's something else happening in Washington that I think is really interesting that I hope comes to fruition. Don't even think of going to sleep because we are just getting started here. We got a lot going on. Until next hour, your influence counts. Use it. <laughs> 